0: Let's go, girls.
1: From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on To share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin.
0: Ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio, and this is another episode of our Soul Search Tuesdays. We've had a lot of fun, Linda. I know I've had a lot of fun uh, with these guests, our spiritual guests, and today uh, we're going to take a little different direction. We're still going to talk about spirituality, but it's going to be more about belief and belief systems and belief in oneself, and we're going to welcome on Darcy Chan, and she is a true success story, so I can't wait to talk to her about about her mindset because this is a lady who uh, had written an ebook like 10 years prior and tried to shop it around it didn't sell and then you know she sells it after being you know a New York Times bestseller ebook. book um, it's just an amazing story Linda and it's a second career for her so that's near and dear to my heart as we continue to reinvent ourselves and then we're going to welcome on Gail Carruthers who owns a spiritual network uh, of executives which is really cool and she has the media company so i'm excited to talk about her but before we get into that i want to hear all about your inspirational event today at lord and taylor and linda for the guests that are listening today who haven't heard what you do with shining service let us know what you do and why today was so special
2: Service is my um, effort to help uh, women veterans and um, it's about a successful reintegration. And I don't think the public is aware of all of the challenges that they face because women um, don't come forward. They don't self-identify. So they, you really just don't know all the time what they're going through. So it's, so it's really um, important that we we bring awareness to, to to this invisible group because they really they they need they need us and they need each other. So today we're doing a big Veterans Day event at at Lord and Taylor uh, on the 11th. But today was the fitting; they all got new outfits today. At Lord Taylor, so they were trying on clothes and shoes and jewelry. And Bobby Brown Cosmetics came up and put a little, uh, did a little light makeup for them. Of course, they'll get the works when it's uh, on the 11th. But it was so much fun. And Emmy Award-winning stylist David Zyluck was there yesterday with help pulling clothes from the store. Uh, and we, and when they walked in this morning, there was just racks and racks of clothes that were that he picked out for each woman to try on and then choose what what she loved the best. And it was it was fabulous. I mean, to see the difference in their faces when they first walk in uh, to once we got started, and and it, it was just miraculous because. Our makeovers are so much more than just clothes and makeup and hair. It's, it, it really reaches them very, very deeply inside, and they are just so grateful. But it's interesting. Lord & Taylor, I, I mean, I really am getting – I've always been a fan of Lord & Taylor because I love to shop there myself. But this morning, as they were waiting to get into the store, which opened at 10 a.m., they didn't realize that every day – right before the store opens, they play the Star-Spangled Banner. Oh, I didn't and know And so, that. Uh, well, I knew it, but, you know, I took it for granted, but they didn't. Um, and so they were, they were brought to tears uh, about, you know, Lord and Taylor playing the Star-Spangled Banner. So that was the perfect beginning to a perfect day. And um, it, it was just, it was wonderful. They... <laughs> I, I mean, I'll have pictures uh, on my on on my Facebook page and um, Twitter very soon because there was a photographer there taking pictures. We did a video that we'll show at the event, and uh, the general, the new general manager of the store, uh, came in to to greet us, and they they gave refreshments. And I mean, th- they couldn't have been nicer. So, ladies, please frequent Lord and Taylor. They are a wonderful organization. <laughs> And they're not paying me to say this. I, I'm just saying they, they, they really got, went out of their way above and beyond the call of duty, and I love them.
0: Oh, well, I love them, too. I love them, too, because, you know, anybody who opens their arms like that and their pocketbooks and their store and their, their psyche to welcome in people to make a difference is just, we can make a difference just by showing up. We can make a difference just by making an effort. And it's amazing to me, Linda, how much that does to change somebody's mindset.
2: Oh, my God. I mean, it really did. I mean, th- th- these women, um, either they, they don't take the time or, you know, some of them are mothers and, they, and they're working and they just don't have the time. Or, you know, funds are not that plentiful, so they, they don't really go out and buy clothes for themselves. You know, it's just more practical stuff that, you know, they, they need, not stuff that's a wow. Well, today they got a wow. And they, when they wow. were looking in the mirror, they said, oh, my God, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, they were, they looked gorgeous. And they were just, you know, there was tears flowing. It was, it was that special.
0: Oh, there's tears flowing now. You know, I think about what it's like to look in the mirror. You know, when you have a bad day, hair day or a bad clothing day and you look and you go, oh, when you don't like what you see, it's really hard to go out and conquer the world. And when you like what you see, you know, you can go out and spread sunshine and make a difference. And, you know, I don't think people recognize how important uh, beauty is for women. I think they recognize it in the sales of products, but they don't recognize it how much it affects your self-esteem and and the ability to reach and grow and inspire yourself to reach new heights and inspire others.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, that's why the makeovers. Um, as I said, are so much more than than just the outside. They really touch very, very deeply on the inside. There was one one woman there particularly. Her name was Lisa. And, you know, she came in, and I think she was a little bit nervous, and she didn't know what to expect, and she was kind of um, withdrawn more than the other women. But by the end, I mean, she was telling me stories. and and, and I mean, she was really confiding in me and and talking about what's going on in her life and, you know, that she was in Iraq and, you know, just, you know, you could see the transformation already. And it was, I mean, it's it's a wow. It really, I mean, I've done it, we're going into our fifth year. I've done it a lot, but it's always, always, always a wow.
0: See, and I love that about you because it's like it's 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 hard to be jaded about someone being lifted up, someone being open and willing to share with you. You know what's going on with them because that's the only time we can really make a difference.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'm really excited about this study that we're starting. We we got approval last week um, for our for our our, uh, our for our study, which is going to be. Uh, really on the why military women aren't self-identifying and going for the help that they need. We all know the challenges that they face. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out, whether it be jobs or money or relationships or sex or PTSD yes. issues or sexual trauma issues. But – um they're there. We know the issues, but how come they're not coming forward for the help? And that's what this study is about. And we've got really good backing because we have a very, very good ally who was just made the uh, New York City Commissioner of Veteran Affairs, and she's a woman. She was a, a, a brigadier general. Her name is Lori Sutton, and um, she's behind us 100%. And, you know, I mean, it's all – I think when we all work together – we can certainly make a difference.
0: Oh, absolutely. We can make a difference. We make a difference every day, even just what we're doing here right now, uh, just talking about what it takes to make a difference. And, you know, that's I I love when I get to hear what you're doing, Linda, because I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of all the people that help you do what you do because it really does make a difference because when we look in the mirror and we feel good or we hear a story, you know, women love stories. We talk about that all the time. And we've got not only a storyteller coming on the show uh, coming up next, But we get to talk to her about how do you keep going, you know, when you face rejection or you change careers. You know, we're going to talk a lot about that because both you and I, Linda, have gotten to a certain age in our life and decided this isn't enough, or I'm not just going to sit around and read books the rest of my life or watch TV. You know, I want to make a difference, I want to do these things. But it really takes a lot of soul searching, don't you think, to make the choice of what to do?
2: No, absolutely. Change is very, very difficult. I you know, I we've talked about it on the show before when I transitioned from Wall Street uh to to then doing the blog and then to to shining service. I mean, it was uh it, it, the the transition from just from Wall Street. It took me years and years and years to to really work through it because, you know, that was that was a big part of my life. That was a big part of my identity. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's not there and you say, oh, my God, now what? So it, you really have to do some soul searching to to figure out, okay, it's not about what other people think. It's about how I'm feeling and what's going to make me feel good. What can I do that works for me? And um, it takes some time to figure that out.
0: It does. It does. And we're going to bring Darcy Chan on. She's the current author of the New York Times bestseller, The Mill River Recluse. She wrote a book called The Mill River Redemption. And we're going to talk to her, not so much about her book, Linda, but we're going to talk to her about what kind of mindset did she have? What kind of beliefs did she have? Because this lady was just a few years out of law school and uh, when she got employed for the as an attorney for the U.S. Senate. And here she is, this bestselling author of books, that are set in small towns, so i really I'm really excited to talk to her, yeah, me too, no, I think women will get a lot from from listening to her story. Yeah. Okay. So, well, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And when we come back from the break, you're not going to want to miss our interview with the New York Times best-selling author of the Mill River Recluse, Darcy Chan. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to visit with her, and we're going to learn what is her secret and how can we get some of it.
1: We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages.
3: Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of WooHoo Inc., and the WooHoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo hoo and turn it into woohoo
1: We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies,
0: this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And Linda, as promised, we have Darcy Chan. She is the author of The Mill River uh, Recluse, also The Mill River Redemption. I think she likes the letter R. Uh, She's a New York (laughs) Times bestselling author, and I'm really excited to talk to her because I just love women who have successful second or third careers and, you know, women who, who change their life or, or achieve a dream. And when I read about her ebook, book um, you know, that she had written it much, many, many years before she actually sold things, uh, I, I just find it really inspirational. So I'm excited to talk
3: to her.
2: Yes, absolutely. I, I really am curious to see. How, you know, how do you handle that rejection? And then, what do you think changed um, when she actually got it out there and it became this huge hit? So that's very exciting. So let's talk to Darcy. Yeah. Hey, Darcy. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I
5: appreciate the invitation.
0: So I got to ask you. You go to law school, okay? And I you know, I went to Northwestern, you went to Indiana, so there's already a rivalry. I just have to put that <laughs> put that out there. And you're a Cheesehead, so I have to love anyone born in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Um but you go to law school, then you're employed as an attorney for the u s Senate. You've got a rockin career married to a doctor or would be doctor soon to be doctor um why why write a book? like is that something that you had always dreamed about because you had a lot of success in your own right? and so because our show talks a lot to women who are deciding on a second or third career, especially something that's fulfilling at this point in our lives,
5: can you walk us through some of that? Thought process that you had? Sure, I have always wanted to be a writer. It was always sort of a dream of mine to to write novels or to at least get a book published during my lifetime. That was my initial goal when I started writing. Um, I saw it as a, you know, kind of a daunting challenge because it is, and um, I like a good challenge. I always have. Um, I knew I wanted to write from the time I was a little girl. I remember I won a writing contest when I was in junior high. It was just, you know, at the school district level, not a big deal. But I came home with my little trophy, and I said to my parents, I want to be a writer when I grow up. And I was 11 years old at the time, and I distinctly remember that because my mom, who was an English teacher, um, she said, Oh, that's great, follow your dreams. And my dad, who was also in education but in the administration side of it, was a little more... um, realistic and he said you know it's a it's a really um ambitious thing to want to be a writer but he said it's very difficult and um you might think about doing something as a career that will enable you to always take care of yourself and then continue writing on the side because there's no reason you can't do that. But you wouldn't have to to suffer the rejection that most writers find, um, and have and be depending on it for your income. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, eleven-year-old me did not want to hear this. <laughs> um, but as I grew up and I got older, I realized that you know he's just telling me this out of love, and he was being very honest with me, um, and very realistic. So he's been good old practical dad, of course, and I appreciate that so much, especially now, you know, having grown up and now being able to look back with an adult perspective on that. Um, So I actually ended up taking both my parents advice. I always kept the dream alive that I would write a book someday, but I also wanted it to i wanted to be able to always take care of myself. I never wanted to have to worry um, you know whether i 'd be able to find a job and if i didn 't have enough education to support myself and um, and help support my family and so uh, I became very interested in environmental law when I was in college and I decided to go to law school to pursue a career in that In that area. And then when I started working for the Senate, I was actually assigned to a team of attorneys that draft environmental and natural resource legislation for the the applicable committees in the Senate. So it was really a perfect fit in terms of my interest in what I was looking to do. uh, And I was very happy with that. Was that because uh, there was a lot of writing involved? Absolutely. That's one of the things I really liked about my job. You know, there are all kinds of attorneys. Some attorneys are in the courtroom a lot, some are not. And I I knew I never would want to be the kind of attorney who who would be litigating. I think that's, um, you know, it's a a really high-flying, sort of exciting kind of career, but I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes. And um, I really like writing a lot more than I do uh, arguing, although I you know did that in law school um so it was just uh you know it was a perfect fit for me and um i really enjoyed interacting with my clients i love the people in my office and i fully intended to spend my career working in this office i mean most of the other attorneys did the the head of the office at the time had been there for more than 30 years and uh it was just it was one of those rare places on capitol hill where the turnover is very low and um You were sort of looked to for your expertise in terms of Senate procedure and and the institutional memory because so many um, congressional staffers do work just for a couple years and then they leave to find, uh, you know, better-paying jobs or different jobs in the private sector. So it was an excellent – fit for me and I fully expected to work there for my whole career but once I settled in and I was you know promoted and I felt okay I've, I, I've learned my job I know how to do this job now I'm comfortable and my husband was in the tough years of his residency when he was away from home a lot in the evenings or overnight and we didn't have our son at that point and I thought okay now is the time that I pick up on the second part of what I'd like to do and just try for that first novel.
2: So at that point, this is Linda. Um, so at this point, you, you hadn't written anything. You were, you were really fully invested in your job. And, Absolutely. Um, so you hadn't <laughs> even thought about a book or, or a draft or anything, and then you said, okay, now it is. And did it just come to you?
5: I spent some time thinking about what might be a good idea to write about, and I wanted it to be something touching and inspiring. Um, and the backstory of, of that. You know, I come from, well, I was raised in a number of small towns, but I consider my hometown Paoli, Indiana, which is this tiny little town in southern Indiana. And back in the 1940s, there was a man there named Saul Strauss who fled Nazi Germany, and he settled in Paoli with his mother, and he opened a dry goods store in town. And, you know, back then, this was before political correctness. And, you know, even though the area today is really not uh, very diverse, back then it was even less so and while people interacted with him and they did business with him because he was Jewish he was really not fully embraced by the community and yet after living there for a number of years he passed away and people in town were shocked to learn that he had left five million dollars to the town of Paoli to be used for the benefit of its people and I just thought that was so amazing. Um yeah. <clears throat> to hear of someone who who wasn't fully embraced and yet who loved the people in return even even despite the fact that he was a little bit on the on the outside edge. So I thought it would be a fabulous um concept to use uh for the central storyline of a novel. Um basically the story of someone who was not fully understood or appreciated by her community and yet who manages to do something to affect the lives of everyone in the town, unknowingly, unknowing to them. Um, so that's the idea that I came up with, you know, for the for the overall concept. And I started filling in the gaps and outlining and that sort of thing, and then I started writing. Um, and it took two and a half years to come up with the first draft because I was working at <laughs> the time. Um, but, you know, I finally did have it, and then so I had this huge manuscript, and I thought, okay, the next step, I had to research about how to go about getting published. And back then, e-books didn't exist. Um, you know, no one knew what an e-reader was. And so I started the process of refining the manuscript as best I could by getting feedback and, and editing it on my own. And also, I started looking for a literary agent to shop it around. And I knew that would take a long yeah. time. It did take a very long time. It took over a year and over 200 rejections. Um, <laughs> But I knew that this is the, this is what you had to go through, and I I didn't feel any pressure. I'm like, you know, this is what I'm going to do in my life. I'm going to get a book done sometime in my life, and if this one doesn't work, then so be it. I'll do another one, but I'm going to continue to plow ahead. And so every time I got a rejection, I'd send out another query letter. And, you know, I started uh, getting a little bit of feedback from agents, which was really helpful because it's the first sort of professional feedback that I had. And I would use that to modify my query letter or the first couple chapters to make it a little more gripping. And um, so I finally got uh, a note from um, a very good agent named Lori List, uh, who I I knew of her because she was the agent who found Bridges of Madison County. Oh, nice. (laughs) And I was very shocked when she asked to read my the whole manuscript, but I sent it off. And three days later, she called me and offered representation. So it was very quick when it happened. And I still really couldn't believe it at that time. But she also told me that it would be a tough sell. It was a quiet book. I hadn't published anything. But she loved the story. And she was willing to fight for it. So, you know, someone of her caliber, I, that's, you know, and me being completely unknown and completely unpublished. That's all I could ever ask for in an agent. Um, and she was very well established, of course. So she worked for two years to try to place the book and uh, just never found a home for it. Again, it was you know, a very quiet story. It didn't involve <clears throat> vampires or anything supernatural or um, a boy wizard or <laughs> anything that was popular at the time. And it wasn't easily classifiable into one genre it wasn't a mystery novel it wasn't a romance novel although it had elements of both of those things so we decided to uh, put the book in a drawer and we you know we agreed to keep in touch and she said you know when you have a second novel give me a call and we'll we'll go for it again and I said that's fine
0: okay I'm going to stop you right here because we've got to go
5: to commercial break this is a great cliffhanger you talk about
0: like maybe a quiet (laughs) book but we're going to leave the audience with a cliffhanger though anybody can go online and see the Mill River Redemption and the Mill River Recluse by Darcy Chan our bestseller. so you know we're we're kind of stepping ahead there Um, this is Sandra Beck and this is Powered Up Talk Radio with Linda Franklin Uh, for those of you that missed the first half of the show you can check us out on iTunes we have a Uh, Over 100 episodes on iTunes you can download and listen to. You can also go to powereduptalkradio.com or go to our host station, toginet.com, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com and listen to this and all of the episodes coming up. When we come back from the break, we are going to hear what happened to Darcy Chan with her manuscript that now is defunct, sitting in a drawer. And when you come back, we're going to find out what happened. More after the break.
1: got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages.
3: This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. Yeah.
6: Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4.00. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired. With Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on TogiNet.com. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart sore? Now you can, with lessons in joyful living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches lessons in joyful living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus, allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I dot Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi.
1: Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin
3: This is
0: Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are visiting with New York Times bestselling author Darcy Chan. And before we went to break, Linda, we were talking to Darcy about this manuscript that she wrote, that she got over 200 rejections, finally gets an agent, uh, shops it around for a couple years, all to no avail. Uh, Darcy, I'm going to go back to you to find out what happened next.
5: Sure. Um, Well, we were at a standstill with the manuscript, and it actually sat in the drawer for several years. My husband finished school. We moved to another state. My job got very busy. We had our son, and I'm still trying to catch up on sleep from all of those things. Um, but I noticed that e-books exploded in popularity during that time. And I thought, well, gee, you know, I have this um, manuscript that, you know, I have nothing to lose by uploading it. It had already been shopped around. And I thought, well, maybe I could get some feedback from people who don't know me. And use that to write a better second novel. So I uploaded the manuscript in May of 20, 2011. Um, things were very slow at first. I didn't do any marketing ahead of time, and I suddenly realized afterwards I had to do something to get it noticed. So I tried to do some cheap online marketing on different ebook blogs. And within a month, we had sold about a hundred copies, which you know was more than I ever expected to sell so quickly. Um, and then the first feature that I'd lined up on one of these big ebook blogs hit, and we sold another 600 copies in two days. So my husband was like, whoa, you know, maybe you could sell like a 1,000, and I thought that would be amazing. Um, and the numbers kept going up and up and up. And in July, I'd been out there for about two months, and we had hit 14,000 sales. And I called my agent, and I said, something is going on, and I really don't know what it is. It's not anything that I'm doing. Um, but I thought you should know about this. And she says, okay, just keep me posted. (laughs) Um, she's like, we could go back on submission with it if it, you know, if it continues to take off. And the next month she called me and she said, Darcy, she said, check your email. And I did, and there was an email from her with a PDF of the advanced copy of the New York Times bestseller list, and my book was listed as number 12, and it had sold around 100,000 copies by then. So everything after that just started to completely snowball. You know, the, the sales continued to increase. It got a lot more publicity for being on the Times list, and I was getting emails from people all over the world. Um the Wall Street Journal did a feature on this, this publication journey that I had been on in December, and we started selling foreign rights to various countries. And then um, right before Christmas that year, Random House offered me a two-book contract to write a couple of additional Mill River novels. And and then here I was with my dream you know, sort of extended out to me and a legal career that I still loved, and I just was completely overwhelmed for a while but um, after a lot of soul searching and I you know, I, I, did investigate the possibility of writing the books and keeping my job but because I was an employee of the federal government there were lots of restrictions on what I could do for outside employment so it just became clear that I would have to make a choice and I talked with my family and I talked with my parents and I talked with my husband and I just decided to follow my heart, and so I resigned my legal position, and I've been writing fiction full-time since April 2012.
0: Wow. What a great success great story. story. Great story. And you know what it shows is, you know, you, you persevered, you didn't give up. I loved what I heard from you uh, when you said something to the effect of, well, every time I got a rejection, I would just send out another query letter, so absolutely was a big key, I think, in your success. You didn't get down on yourself. You didn't
5: you actually let the rejection energize you. Absolutely. You have to you have to expect it. And not only that, but I tried to look for feedback in any rejections that I got. You know, if someone made a comment about he or she liked or didn't like, I, I took note of that. And when I started seeing patterns of, you know, this drag, the middle of the book drags, or, uh, you know, this character doesn't seem well-rounded or whatever, I, I would use that. And so I think if you look at rejection positively as just part of the process, something that you have to go through and something you can learn from, um, I think that really improves your chances of finding success in the end.
2: Um, before we let you go, I just want to ask you, did you find out what happened when all of a sudden it started to move up uh, and, and get more popular? Was it was it the Internet? Was it word of mouth? Did you ever find out what was that spark that, that ignited this huge flame?
5: As best I can tell, and I've thought a lot about this because people have asked me so many times, I think that I got the book in front of a number of, you know, a, a couple thousand people probably through – the features that I'd lined up on these ebook blogs that recommend new ebooks to people, and then I think that enough people read the book and liked it that they started telling other people about it, and I think mm-hmm. it's a word of mouth chain reaction. I don't think any book that reaches bestseller status does so without that word of mouth behind it, and it's how how to get that going is you know the ten million dollar question here. But I think in my case. Um, that's that's the only thing that i can think of that that drove the sales uh you know to the levels that they reached
2: no that's terrific because you know in, in, you hear a lot of people doing these um these amazon you know ads and and, sure. and and different promotions where they get a lot of different writers to to promote the book so it becomes mm-hmm. number 1 on the list and they give out little tokens of thanks and but we sure. didn't do any of that and it happened no. so that, no yeah you know, kudos to you <laughs> thank you
0: <laughs> Well, and let me ask you, Darcy, what was going through your head with respect to changing your career? Like when you said, you know, you, you, you glossed over it about, you know, like you have restrictions of what you can do and not do, you know, after the type of job you had. And, and I mean, was there, was there fear involved in it? Was there excitement? Like, did you, were your feelings all over the map? What did it feel like?
5: It was completely all over the map. I was completely giddy at the fact that Here I was being offered the chance to write, you know, a couple more new books. And, um, you know, I wanted to do that very much. But at the same time, I'm a very cautious person by nature. And I've never, until I started writing full time, I've never been in a situation where I didn't have a job with a steady paycheck coming in. So it was almost like a leap of faith, you know, that I was going to have to... um, you know, to take a risk, and you know, thankfully, my husband is. You know, he also <laughs> he he does still have the steady paycheck job, and and so he was willing to you know support me and 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 in in making this decision. Um, but again, you know, it's like I would never feel right not contributing to my family's income. I'm just very independent that way. I've always I've always viewed our relationship as um, you know part as a, as a partnership in every way. So I yeah. wanted to be. I wanted to be able to maintain that
2: and more um, and more women have to feel that way. I think it would be, uh, I think it would really put them in a much different uh, position.
5: Oh, well, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't want to take the leap and then not be, um, not be able to come through with, with, you know, what I considered my share. So, um, and plus, I also wanted to, you know, I view writing as it's definitely a, a full-time job. I didn't really appreciate that before I did it. But there are so many things that a writer has to do these days in addition to just cranking out the manuscript and going through the proofs and the edits. But, I mean, there's the whole social media game now. and oh, marketing. Um, promotion. Marketing is everything. Yes. You know and it and it's continuing to increase you know the the what the author is expected to do because um you know there's a lot more competition, it's really tough to sell books these days people you're competing for people's attention um you know not not everybody would want to read a book these days there's television and movies and video games and you know everything else that people do uh, you know with the limited spare time that they have so um it's it's a it's a it's the great unknown really even even with a contract from a publisher. It's still, you know, a finite period, and then it really depends on what your books do and and how they're received and how you promote them. And so it was definitely a scary moment, but I knew that if I didn't do it, I would look back and always wonder what if. And to me, that I could not live the rest of my life feeling that way. So that's why I decided to take a chance. Okay. All right. So
0: Darcy, I want to thank you for being our guest today. I wanted to ask you to stay on the line because we're having a little trouble getting Gail Carruthers out of uh, Toronto. So stay on the line with me. And Oh, we've got Gail. Okay. All right. So, um, Darcy, thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing your journey and your inspirational experience with us. Uh, I think the books that you've written are great. They are near and dear to my heart because they are small town and I am a small town girl, so I resonated a lot with them. I wish you the best of luck on your success with your upcoming books. Uh, And we're going to segue away from Darcy, from Darcy, what you talked about, that mindset about changing careers or taking the leap, as you said Um, And you wanted to still be a full participant in your family financial structure, which both, Linda and I were like, yay! Um, (laughs) But Gail, are you on the line with us? We've got Gail Carruthers of the Spiritual uh, Women's Network, uh, Spiritual Girlfriend. Gail, are you there? I am here. Yay. Okay. So we got Darcy, we got Gail. We got Sometimes everybody it's it two minutes yes. to break. <laughs> so we've only got two minutes to break. And uh, Gail, I want to ask you to chime in. You were listening to some of Darcy's things that she was talking about. What do you think is the hardest thing women face when transitioning from a successful career to a second career that fulfills them?
4: You know what? I would say, honestly, a lot of the times it's the, it's the courage to take that next step. Um, to the degree that even if you, this is a step that you've longed for, and you know maybe it's something that you've kind of pushed to the margins all your life, but it's taking that step because a lot of the times there's a financial, I don't want to say hit, but a, 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 a like a pause, let's say. Um, you, whether you're re-gearing up, whether that you know whether that next step requires um, the infrastructure of, of, you know, technology, website uh, development, marketing, that sort of idea, but. It's, it it's just that it's that pause and it's that that bravery to kind of take that step to think, well, you know, I'm going to have to do A, B and C. Well, that's OK. Do A, B and C. Um, or I'm going to it's gonna I'm going to I'm not going to make as much money for the next few years or I'm it, it's just those unknowns because we get comfortable. We get very comfortable.
0: And we do get they're... comfortable. And, yeah. Gail, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back after the break, Linda yeah. and I, uh, to talk a little bit more about this. We're visiting with Gail Carruthers, and when we come back from the break, we're going to learn more about Gail, but we want to make sure we thank Darcy Chan. Check out her books. They really are quite good. The Mill River Redemption and the Mill River Recluse. You will enjoy them. They're wonderful. Her name is Darcy Chan. That's spelled D-A-R-C-I-E-C-H-A-N. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to head over to to Toronto and we're going to talk to Gail Carruthers and we're going to talk more about the mindset and what it takes to to jump into this second career that we all want to have with our fulfilling lives back with Gail and Linda and Sandra more after the break
1: we've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages back with sandra beck and linda franklin here's more powered up with beck and franklin
0: hey ladies this is sandra beck and i'm here with linda franklin and we are visiting with gail Carruthers, who comes from us from the chilly northeast of toronto and linda you know a little bit about toronto too don't you
2: Yes, I was uh, born in Toronto. Um, still have family in Toronto, but I left for the for New York City when I was nineteen. But uh, I can say it's my hometown, and it's a great hometown. And uh, since I was a kid there, it's changed like a hundred and ninety-two percent. It's a fabulous city.
0: Oh, so do we have
4: Gail? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm here. You're supposed to chime <laughs> in about how <laughs> fabulous Toronto Waiting is. Waiting for me. <laughs> oh, Toronto is fabulous. I actually live just outside of the city, but I grew up in Toronto, so I attest to it. It's growing uh, huge. It's it's, uh, it's a world-class city now, and, and it's uh, it's a gorgeous city. So, yeah, it's a, i I'm love to, to hear a fellow Torontonian there, so that's
2: great. That's right, and lots of opportunity because I think the women there um, – Sometimes they're a step behind, and so uh, I think that they want to catch up. So I think you're you're in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I I think so, too. So, so Gail, when we went to break, uh, we were talking about uh, we
0: were talking with Darcy Chan, and you know she has such an amazing story about um, you know resiliency and keeping going and consistency and not giving up on her dream. And then it was funny when she talked about that leap to oh gosh, she's got a book contract and now what? You know, what do I do? I go forward with my dream. You've had a similar experience.
4: Yeah, I mean, I understood exactly what Darcy was saying, and I could relate to that. You know, it's some it, it, in the sense that uh, I my story is a little bit different. I used to, well, I, I had there's a founder of a children's shoe company, and that took you know at the time I was running this shoe company, and it was my own brand of shoes. So I wasn't, you no, know, it was my own brand. I was developing my own brand. I had literally um, jumped on a plane by myself and gone to China and found all my own manufacturing and developed. Developed it right from the from, well, from the soul up, really. Uh, <laughs> Good one. And um, you know, it was it was it was now in in the highest you know the highest end shoe stores, children's shoe stores in Toronto, and they were selling well. And and then my life turned to, took a big turn, and I also developed at the same time I was getting into my development of an online well my my podcast series, which is Spiritual Girlfriend Podcast. And I was, I was unexpectedly loving my podcast series. Like the first time I did a podcast series with a microphone and recorded my show and actually did my show live, I felt like I had, I felt like I was like a a duck that finally found water that had didn't realize they weren't supposed to waddle on ground anymore. And I thought, oh door, oh boy, (laughs) what am I going to do here? because I loved it so much. And I was still running my shoe company and I was, um, but I, I, my poll was really going over to this podcast series and I kind of started it on a whim. Like I kind of started it as a side sort of thing. And then it became, oh, I, you know, in my, my, my whole, the last, you know, I don't know, X number of decades, I've been heavily involved in in developing my own self-awareness and my own spirituality. And it was really leading me down this road, and it wasn't something I was expecting. So I really had to make that decision, you know. And my my heart was no longer in my shoes. I had lost my soul for my shoes. And mm-hmm. I, I was just – it took a lot to really get to that point of getting over my my own preconceived notion of what success was and letting it go, but letting it go – on a positive high note, not a a note of failure, because it wasn't. It served its purpose in my life on many levels. And it was no longer what I wanted to do. But admitting that was huge. It took a lot it took me it took me close to a year to really come to that admitting and, and realization without without it feeling like I was doing something wrong. By saying, well, how do I just now pick up and go, you know, go into this whole genre of, of this online podcasting series that I was really enjoying? Um, because, but it just became to the point where that's where my that's just where my my interest completely lied, and I, without feeling like a flake, but at the same time, I knew that from my spiritual development that I totally. I've learned to trust the flow of what comes into my life and I've learned to go with the flow and I've learned to, to trust it. Just, I mean, uh, the, the way the whole shoe company was developed was a whole leap of faith to begin with. So I guess in that way, it was allowing myself to recognize, okay, this is, I can, you know, if I, I, I can build this and I can, I can do this properly and I can, I can get this to where I want it to be without it being, without it, becoming like a, I guess a lot of times people are afraid to make those steps because they, they're, they're financially, they don't know how they're going to do it because they're thinking, oh, well, I'm, you know, my life is going to have to change or there's going to have to be some, some adjustments. And there might be, there might be, but I guarantee you it's all worth it in the end. Like it's, it's, it's just taking, the, I do believe if you take that step, the solutions are there. I just think it's getting over that hump of, of such insecurity and such courage to go, this is what I want to do. But those transitions are I think they're opportunities in life. I think they're huge if opportunities. If it only
2: took if it only took you a year to transition then I think you're lucky. When I left Wall Street it took me a lot longer than a year to to and i didn 't have a transition i didn 't have a burning desire of knowing what I wanted to do next. I knew it was something, but I didn 't know what it was. Yep. So um, I guess, like you, I had to go on a little journey and work on a lot of things, including my spiritual, including um, menopausal issues, including the you know change in appearance, change in relationships, all of that and then I started a blog. Um, and started to write about it, just like your network. Then I started the blog. And then from there, now I'm running uh, a charity for, for, for women veterans. And I never thought of that in a million years. It just happened, and I, I just went with it. It's, so it, I'm different because I didn't have all of these passions and dreams, but things just came into my life. And I said, okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And, and
4: that, I think that's a, a very good point, that not to, not to wait for the vision and, and the idea. Because what happens is you get traction as you just move ahead. Sometimes you have no idea where you're going to go ahead. You know, the podcast series kind of was a hobby. I really wasn't thinking it, of it being a career. It just, But I couldn't believe how much I was enjoying it. Um, and then that just sort of took on legs of its own. But I think if, if women get immobilized a lot because they think they don't have a clear picture... And I'm, I'm a true believer that if you just take steps forward into anything, whether it's, like you said, you, you started a blog, right, you, you know, writing about changes that were happening on so many different levels, that just, that becomes, a, takes on legs of its own. And then it goes to here, and then it, the next thing you know, like you said, you know, you're running a charity. Well, it all, it, I think it's just about taking steps in some direction, in something that remotely interests you. And, and that in itself is going to be, the next step that's going to take you around the bend, which is going to give you the next glimpse of where you want to go. I don't think you're anybody ever really has a full picture of what it is. I think life is full of bends that you have to kind of get around.
0: So. well you know I think the biggest thing that gets in my way is is my own thoughts I start to overthink and Linda and I have Linda has been really great in working on this with me because I can I can think myself through an entire career in an evening with a glass of wine in the bathtub you know from start to finish and then come up with all the reasons that I shouldn't couldn't wouldn't whatever and I think it comes down to I know with me and and I'd like to ask Linda and I'd like to ask you Gail I just have to hold my my breath and jump at some point you have to pull the trigger and that that moment between you know you pull the trigger and you don't seems like an eternity uh linda what do you think
2: no i i think so too i mean i knew nothing about the military i'm from canada i mean people ask me were you in the military jeff family in the military i said absolutely not it's just that women from afghanistan started to write uh, and telling me how much they enjoyed reading my blog and how empowering it was for them, you know, in Afghanistan because it was it was reconnecting them to their strong feminine power. And you know, from then I said, aha, they're thanking me. I got to be thanking them. Okay, I do have no idea how I'm going to do that, but I know that I'm going to do that. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, uh, you know, a vision. I just I just started to dive in uh, and put one step in front of the other. And that's, I think that's what I was saying
4: exactly, Linda. Is that you started the blog? It, one thing you got contact by ladies in Afghanistan, and that took you to the next thing. Aha! Uh-huh, I need to, I want to respond back to them. I need to support them. Yeah. Back. And that's my, that's exactly what I'm saying. Most people don't have a vision, and because they don't, that's what stops them. Because they think they have to have it planned out from A to Z before they take their first step. And I'm, I'm a, really I'm here to say, if you wait, the paralysis isn't going to stop. That is just paralysis. If you have an idea for one thing, start one thing, start one little piece. You don't know where it's going to go, but the, you have to take that step. You know, it's like that. You know that, that. You know that song. Put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other.
2: It's like you're going to be afraid, but do it anyway.
4: You have to do it so- anyway. It's about taking that courage to say. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm going to take that leap of faith and I'm going to just keep take putting one step. I will figure it out. One of the things that I did when I started my shoe company, when I jumped on a plane and went to China, everybody kept saying to me, how are you going to ship your shoes back? I actually had no idea how I was going to do that next logistical step. A very key thing. I hadn't figured out shipping yet. But I said, if I wait to have everything lined up before I do this, I will never do this. I got in the plane. I went to China. I figured it out in China. And everything did you speak fell the Chinese? no i don't speak mandarin i had that no i had that <laughs> or mandarin to, or whatever it is i had it it's mandarin but i had that already i had that hooked up with um translators who i had hired wow so, so it was but i didn't have all my key things in place and i spent a week in china you know i had a meltdown in my hotel room because i'm like what am i doing and then because i wasn't finding anything and then i had a aha moment who knows this city better than anybody? If I'm like, I'm in taxis all day long, bingo. I jumped in the taxi the next day, I asked them you know, a bunch of different questions, bingo. I found exactly what I needed. So if you just, like, and that's my point, is I did not have a complete plan, but I figured it out to the point where I then was able to de- manufacture and design exactly what I wanted in China, had it shipped to Canada, and sold in the top-level shoe stores in Toronto. Amen do to that, it.
0: my sister. Okay, we are at Powered Up Talk Radio. Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, catch us again next week for more great stories like Gail and Darcy had today.